Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church in Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. Our Sunday worship is on-site and online at 9.30 a.m. You can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any popular podcast platforms. This week, Pastor Jordan brings us our new series, The Values of Hope. The sermon is titled Holy Discontent and explores the story of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness from Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Scripture reading is done by Dave Watson. Good morning. Today's scripture comes from Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. Next, Jesus was taken into the wild by the Spirit for the test. The devil was ready to give it. Jesus prepared for the test by fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. That left him, of course, in a state of extreme hunger, which the devil took advantage of for the first test. Since you are God's son, speak the word that will turn these stones into loaves of bread. Jesus answered by quoting Deuteronomy, it takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream of words from God's mouth. For the second test, the devil took him to the holy city. He sat him on top of the temple and said, since you are God's son, jump. The devil goaded him by quoting Psalm 91. He has placed you in the care of angels. They will catch you so that you don't so much as stub your toe on a stone. Jesus countered with another citation from Deuteronomy. Don't you dare test the Lord your God. For the third test, the devil took him to the peak of a huge mountain. He gestured expansively pointing out all the earth's kingdoms, how glorious they all were. Then he said, they're yours, lock, stock, and barrel. Just go down on your knees and worship me, and they're yours. Jesus' refusal was curt, beat it, Satan. He backed his rebuke with a third quotation from Deuteronomy. Worship your Lord, your God, and only him, serve him, with absolute single-heartedness. The test was over, the devil left, and in his place, angels, angels came and took care of Jesus' needs. Well, good morning. Challenging morning for everyone, getting up in the cold, driving over here. Maybe some of you had to scrape off some ice on your windshield. Uh, and then we have no screens today, and we rely heavily on that. And I, I had these little props, and I was going back and forth. Do I really need the props? Because I could just put it on the screen. Thank goodness. <laughs> but before we get to that, there's just there's two announcements to kind of make uh, that we kind of missed at the beginning. Is the emergency shelter? Those that are interested uh, about that and participating and helping those in need when there's bad weather and things like that. New Hope is an emergency shelter. There is a meeting in Kane Hall after the service. Ann Lucia will be the one there. And if you want to just raise your hand, there you go. Uh, so if you see Ann and you're interested, go see her. And then also, we haven't really announced it 
in service before. We said it in the midweek memo, but I know not everybody watches the midweek memo. Uh, Many of you are probably wondering, uh, Nick retired at Christmas Eve, what are we doing? Well, Tracy Silver, I know she's gonna hate this, but she's over there. She's our interim (laughs) music and arts director. So we just want to thank her for stepping up. She's been a longtime uh, member here at New Hope and part of the uh, music and arts ministry here. So we appreciate her stepping up and uh, filling in for that because I, I don't want to sing. So <laughs> I'm glad Don can do it. Uh, so we're, we're starting a new series today. Uh, based on the values of hope. Maybe some of you, you hear that and you're like, I know what those are, I've heard about them before, Russ has talked about them, Jordan's talked about them. Maybe some of you are like, I have no clue what that is. Well, these are the values of our church, and we actually believe it's bigger than that. It's not just us, but it's, uh, it's for hope. Um, and I'm going I'm to be doing different things here. I'm going to still be clicking for the online uh, service because they can see the slides, but you can't. All right, so <laughs> I know there's some ones that I was really proud of. So um, to go through the values of hope, uh, the first one is invite people to a big table. And this value at New Hope is we're inviting everyone to the table. It's not just our tribe or our ideology or people within our theological realm. Everybody is welcome to the table. The next one is uh, putting people first uh, because we believe that that's at the heart of God thrown, uh, shown through Jesus Christ that in, instead of dog, putting dogma, theology in front of people as some churches have done in the past, we put people first. And so that's the second value. The third one, find joy in serving. We're a church that uh, we'll find our happiness and fulfillment by serving others uh, in many ways that we can. Fourth one. All right, I got my paper slides. Uh, find the sacred in the ordinary, that we know that there is sacredness everywhere, that not there's no separation of secular or sacred, but it's all sacred. We just have to be open to seeing it in our world and in our midst. So we try to develop that in ourselves to do it. And then finally, uh, fostering a holy discontent. And this is probably the one most of us have a really hard time with. What does that mean? Um, Not going to explain it right now because we'll explain it a little bit later. Because we're going to start with the last one today, holy discontent, because I think it fits perfectly good with the story of Jesus in the wilderness. Uh, And then the next two weeks we'll go over... uh, Invite people to a big table, putting people first, and then find the sacred in the ordinary, and find joy in serving. So holy discontent. Holy discontent. I want to start with talking about this idea of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. We use temptation, this word temptation, where the proper Greek word really means more test. But for us in this modern Western world, uh, Test means something kind of different to us than what it did then. So I think the translation we can use best is training. So that Jesus went to the wilderness for training. All right? Jesus went into the wilderness to be kind of put through an ordeal to see what kind of person Jesus was and if he was fit for the task that was given to him. And I, William Barclay said... Uh, he explained kind of the funny 
uh, storytelling of this because last week we talked about the baptism of Jesus. And then after the baptism, immediately Jesus goes to the wilderness. So William Barclay says that um, when we accept the path of Jesus, immediately our troubles start, right? We tend to like to think if we follow the path of Jesus, everything will be fine, it'll be rosy, it'll be great. No, actually it gets harder because we're following that path that Jesus had and to be better, uh, better beacons of light in the world. So I want to talk about, um, because of that, uh, many have had a reading of this story as kind of Jesus figuring out his true self. His true self of how God's going to use him to bring about peace and a new revolution, a spiritual revolution to the world. And these three temptations, these three tests, are ways that the world says Jesus should be the Messiah. All right? So we're going to talk about true self and false self. So I'll explain that a little bit to you. Um, True self is a sense of self based on a spontaneous, authentic experience and a feeling of being alive, having a real self uh, with little to no contradiction. You know who you are. You are solidified in that. You are at peace with it. You make all your decisions based on your true self. False self, by contrast, is a sense of self created as a defensive facade which in extreme cases can lead an individual lacking spontaneity and feeling dead and empty behind an inconsistent and incompetent appearance of being real, such as narcissism. So false self is the self that tries to defend the true self in some ways, and it does it oftentimes with things that really don't match who we truly are. And that's what Jesus did in the wilderness. So the first one, and I love... I wish Dave could read the scripture every week. His his voice is just a nice booming voice. So, uh, and I also want us to kind of picture this story in a different way because we often picture it, uh, some of my slides even have it, where we have Jesus standing, Satan standing there, tempting him with stuff. But I want us to just imagine that inside each of us, there is light and there is darkness. There is Christ, there is Satan. There is ego, there is humility. And so this is an inner turmoil of Jesus walking through this and and feeling that temptation of the darkness of his human side and the ways in which his humanity selfishly wants to go. So the first one uh, is stones into bread. And I have this phone, my phone here, as, as a prop. Because the stones into bread is something that is tempting Jesus to, it's asking the question, are you sure you're the son of God? Are you sure? Maybe if you did this, you'll really know. How many times do we have to respond to questions about ourselves, about who we are? We always question that in our own heads, right? Are you really good at your job? Are you really a kind person? And then we have those self-doubts come in. And that can influence how, which way we go. Richard Rohr, uh, let me just double-check slides here. Ooh, this is fun. All right. 
All right, so uh, Richard Rohr said, this temptation reminds us that our false selves usually press uh, for the satisfaction of our immediate wants, yet those wants are seldom what we really need. This temptation is all about the immediacy of, this is actually going to make me feel comfortable. It's short-sighted. It's, it's figuring out what you want here and now and not thinking about any kind of broader picture. It's a temptation for Jesus to do a miracle for himself, which he never does in the Gospels. If you go and look through all the miracles that Jesus does, there's never a miracle that's done for him. It's always for others. So this test, this temptation, this training is all about, are you going to do this for you or are you going to do it for others? A human life is only nourished by the word of God. To be nourished by a life of goodness and love, the word of God is something that enters into our lives and helps life to be flourishing. So Satan, the dark side of Jesus, is saying, if you are the Messiah, prove it by these miracles. Otherwise, nobody could trust that you are. And I have the phone here because it represents our immediate needs met. Um... In our world today, especially for me, you know, if I can't get an Amazon package in two days, I'm like, why is it even worth buying then? (laughs) And this represents that because we can get anything immediately in our hands. We can order food on it. We can order uh, something we need and it could show up the next day. We can talk to somebody across the world. We can see their face. It's something that has trained us now that we want everything instantaneously, and if we don't, it's your problem, not mine, right? I'm the customer, I'm right, so now, therefore, I'm upset at you because you haven't given me what I want immediately. So I think that's something we deal with in our lives. We always read this story, and we don't always connect this story of Jesus with our own lives and how we all go through these trainings or temptations, We tend to like to look at the story as, oh, this is just to prove that Jesus is the Messiah, but Jesus is going through many of the things that we also go through. So stones into bread is the immediacy to do things only for ourselves and not for others. Then Satan says, throw yourself off a high perch and have the angels save you. All right, this one's a little bit different. Some of us don't quite, I shouldn't say some of us, I should say me. I I, I don't always understand this one totally, but this one is all about living a life all about ego. Look at me, look at how sensational I am. Look it, I, I just fell, but God saved me. I am God's favorite. And the problem with doing sensations giving sensations to people of like, look at this, this is great. You always have to go bigger and bigger and bigger. Show everyone how great you are and how much God loves you. This goes against Jesus uh, because of himself and his followers and how they lived in the world. It wasn't flashy. It was a ragtag group of people just meeting the needs of those they came across. And it was a community not about um, subordinates and, and uh, superiors and subordinates, but of equals. 
And this training, this test, was going to put Jesus as the superior being above all else. If you're the Messiah, show us who you are, give us a sensation, something that will make us go awe. I have this. This is, um, many of you may know what it is. It's an award we got, um, Phil Mela Rudolph Award for New Hope from the Task Force, which is now Helping Hope Center, uh, for appreciation for all that we've done uh, for the Task Force in the past. And I just use this to represent because it's the only award I could find, all right? <laughs> um, so there's nothing bad with this award, but... We, we think about it in our own lives, how we like to puff our chests a lot and say, look how good I am. I have all these um, degrees, or I have all these accomplishments. Look at my nice car I bought because of all the money I make. Look at the nice house I have. Look at the wonderful vacations I go on. My life is so much better than yours. <laughs> and we could get into that uh, pretty quick, that ego uh, starts to sneak in, that darkness starts to seek in, Satan starts to seek, sneak in. And it becomes about us and all of our accomplishments and what we do. And we all have problems with that in many different ways. We want to be recognized for who we are and the good things that we do. Uh, but when it becomes strictly all about me, and that's what Jesus is fighting here, it's not about building a community of those who are better than others. It's about a community of equals. So that was the second test. The third test. It's a nice little, somebody called it a Burger King crown. I don't know if that's right. Uh, that's made for a child, so I can't put that on my head. But we have a crown representing it. And this is probably the easiest one of all that we see. And we're like, I get that. Satan says, you can rule all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor if you just bow down to me. If you just bow down to me, you're going to get all the power, wealth, and control that you could ever want. And that also includes these things too, right? This final one includes all of them, that you're going to get all those things if you just do this. This is a temptation about power at any cost. Abandoning yourself, abandoning who God made you to be just to get that sweet, sweet power. Using power for personal gain rather than the improvement of those around you. Being willing to sacrifice your compassion and charity in order to keep the power. And Jesus rejects this too because his power doesn't come out of all the things that he can do or all the things he can have control of. His power comes out of humility. Satan says, if you are the Messiah, take the place of the Roman Empire and rule. Do it by compromising your face and, and serving me or serving your ego. I think these are all things we struggle with. This one, especially in many very, very small ways, we always want control in our lives. A lot of things we do when I talked about the, in discovery time, when you've said to yourself, why did I do that? Oftentimes that comes at a point where you are just trying to gain control of something that you didn't have any control over and people got hurt in the process. I hope all of you are kind of thinking of different things in your life, how they relate to each of these because we all deal with these temptations. We, deal with, we all deal with these struggles 
these trainings. I've, I'm way off on my slides by now. I'm so sorry, online crew. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, one more thing about, about this crown over here, about power. I think one of the things that can just really suck the life out of me and the hope out of me for Christianity and the world at large is the fact that this religion, this movement, this spiritual revolution was all built on this humility of Christ and serving others, all of these things that Jesus rejected, but yet Christianity time and time again goes back to power. It gets sucked in by the temptation of power. If only we had control of everything and then everybody could be more like us, this world would be a better place. Oftentimes you hear in Christianity the, the word war, spiritual warfare. We're in a war for our souls, things like that. We've turned it into about power and control at that point. Sure, there's things we have to combat, evil we have to combat, but that's not through power. It's through humility and love, serving others. These are all quick fixes, but humility and serving others is the long game. Each of these temptations, you may be thinking, well, some of these feel like they could be good in certain situations. And you're right. Uh, Reverend James Martin said, in each of these temptations, there's an element of good it's always harder to be tempted by pure evil, which is easier to spot and reject. The true temptation is a seemingly good one. So there may be times where like, this is actually good, and, and then as time goes on, you're like, why did I make that decision? All this is a mess now. Because there is some good in these. Some of these things we have to do, we have to nourish and take care of our body, right? Jesus wasn't rejecting food altogether or not taking care of himself but it was at the expense of others. It's okay to be proud of your accomplishments. It's okay to be confident in your talents and skills. But when that becomes the main thing, it's not good. We have to have some sort of power and control in our world, right? We can't just all run around doing everything we want. So. That serves a purpose, but when it becomes only about power control for one person or one group of people, then we're off track. So some of these have good in it. It always starts with good and then it gets warped into something else. And that's why we have these dual true and false selves. Uh, there's a slide I have. It's two heads and in the, in the brains. Oh gosh, this is a bad description. Um, <laughs> Uh, one of them has a cross on the brain and the other one has a little devil uh, thing uh, that we have both of those in us. We have both of those that continually combat each other whenever we come across these challenges or these ways in which we look at ourselves and say, this is actually who I am. Or sometimes we abandon that and do something else entirely. So, holy discontent. Holy discontent is a hard one because 
it's one of those values that sounds really good, and you're like, I'm really proud of my church, we have this value. But once you have to put that value into practice, then you're like, ugh, come on. Can we just cut that value? We don't want to do that. So for us, the description for holy discontent is we will not treat conflict and discontent as enemies of peace, but we will listen to them for clues about what God wants to do next in our midst. So we're treating it as when we have these temptations, when we have these tensions, that we shouldn't just simply try to run away, try to um, have a simple answer, a simple fix, but we, we wrestle with it. We wrestle with it because we know through it God's showing us something new, something that we are called to do by God. You know, it's easy for us to listen to voices that don't come from God. It's easy for us to hear voices uh, in our head all the time, in our spirit, about who we are, what the world is, and, and how we fit into all of it. And we struggle with listening to those voices but that's where holy discontent is good. It helps us listen to it, but then also combat it. Helps us to reveal and listen to our true selves rather than those false voices. In this story, Jesus is fulfilling this idea of Jesus being both human and divine. Jesus is fully participating in our humanity. He aligns himself with us and completely immerses himself into the human condition. Before the prayer, Don said, Jesus entered the wilderness, uh, but he was not alone, and we are not alone either. That's one of the purposes of this. Jesus went through it, so we're not alone when we go through it. And we have an example to follow as well. So holy discontent, living into holy discontent, means that we're always going to be aware of these temptations, we're not going to be afraid of them, but we're going to work hard together as a community to find out what is the right path forward. And some of that's going to be hard. Some of that's going to be uncomfortable. Some of the, some of the times we're going to make decisions and we're going to be like, was it really the right decision? Holy discontent helps us to see the ways in which God is moving in our midst. So how do we foster this holy discontent? How do we handle it, right? How do we handle, handle holy discontent? Um, okay. And the printer is printing these weird too, so it's just been a mess this morning. So the first one is, uh, and these are the slides I'm proud of, but you can go and look online after. Um, how do we handle holy discontent? Number one is wait for God. But I think I, I wanted to change this a little bit. Instead of thinking about waiting for God, because then uh, some of us may be like, I'm going to wait forever. I don't really know how to, to uh, d discern what God is doing. And so I want to change it instead to wait for you. Wait for that true you in yourself to rise up, that little, the conscious voice in your head that says, that's, that's not what we're about. There's something wrong with that. I think of it as, 
There, do you ever have those memories from like high school or middle school that just haunt you forever? Anybody have those? It, it doesn't go away? Is that, is that what you're saying? Um, there are times I remember seeing some kids get picked on, and you just watched it. I just watched it and didn't do anything. And some of those memories still haunt me of, why didn't I do that? I was, toot my own horn, I was a good kid, but was afraid to step out. I was afraid to step out and tell people to stop it, what it would do to my status at school, what it would do uh, to how people then viewed me. I would get aligned with that person, now I'm going to get picked on, so better to just sit back. And so my, I did not let my true self come out in that moment, the true self that God created me to be and how to live in the world. Number two is embrace the journey. Nothing gets done real quick if we just are kicking and screaming, right? For resisting it every step of the way, we can't really learn. We're going to learn the hard way if we keep doing that. But if we just embrace the journey, embrace all the beauty that comes even in the horrible things in life, the beautiful things in life, just embracing this life that God has given us. Because if we look back to Genesis, the first chapters, uh, the original plan, the original vision was a life about flourishing. It was about flourishing in your own humanity, who God created you to be, and doing this alongside God. And ever since then, God's trying to get us to get on board once again for human flourishing and the flourishing of all things in our world. So embrace that journey. Number three, do the inner work. Uh, this one stinks, all right? This one stinks because you have to look into yourself at times. Maybe at that time, uh, I was talking about in middle school or high school, uh, after that moment, just doing some inner work and being like, why didn't I step up? What was I afraid of? Really digging deep. And that way, you start to reveal the true self that has been buried and underneath that false self for all those years. But that's hard work, and it's ongoing work. It's never done. You continue to do it your whole life, and it's hard. Number four, wrestle with the issues. Wrestle with the issues. In our world, we like to make things black and white, we love black and white. It makes it easy for us. It makes it simple. It makes it immediate. But if we really wrestle with it, to drop our own preconceived notions of things, to look at something with new, fresh, neutral eyes, that helps us wrestle with the issues. It helps uh, help us to handle the holy discontent because now we're just not looking at something, but we're, we're actually engaging with it. I know that, um, that I arrived here at New Hope in January 2015, so the church had already been going almost, I think, maybe a full year with a lot of uh, the congregational meetings, the classes, the book readings and stuff around the topic of same-sex marriage. That was wrestling with the issue together, even though it was uncomfortable. 
That was living into the holy discontent. I didn't have to go through a lot of that because I just arrived, you know. But I know the hard work that went on here uh, and all of you, the hard work you've all done. And that's thanks in part to our value of holy discontent. So wrestle with them. Don't, you don't always have to have the right answer, but wrestle with it. And I think, i got to make sure there's no more slides. Uh, oh, I do have one more. Okay. Um, I really think how we handle holy discontent is how we handle our false self. The ways in which that false self rises up, that, that spirit of Satan, that ego rises up to tell us, no, choose yourself over others first. Really, that's what holy discontent is. It's handling that dark side of ourselves and trying to learn from the path of Jesus and what Jesus did in the wilderness. There's a quote from Vanita Hampton Wright that says, the false self constructs all sorts of layers of ego and angst and striving and foolishness, while the true self, deep at the center of a person, waits for the time when the false self will die and allow the real life to begin. This is all about the real life beginning, the real work of the kingdom of God beginning, putting away our habits of selfishness to live into a world where we advocate for justice, for love, compassion of our neighbors, because we know through all of this, through the gospel, that it's not about us. Amen? Would you pray with me? God, may you continue to work in us that we may be able to see our true selves that you've created us to be. The ways in which we can be more like Jesus in our world, advocate for others, to be compassionate for others, to stick up for others. Create that spirit of Christ in us when the spirit of Satan, when the spirit of ego rises up. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you have enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. And now, church, may you go and love your neighbor as yourself and love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Go in peace.